The Joker by Scott Leopold Chapter 11 Journal Entry After a short stay at the Child Protective Services Center, two off-duty police officers transported me to an old farmhouse on the outskirts of town. This would be my new foster home. The local kids knew this place as the Legacy Farm. Smack dab in the center of the property sat a big two-story house covered with lap siding. There was a huge wraparound porch with white spindles and a swing hanging from its ceiling. The officers escorted me up a set of wooden steps to the front door. Through the arched window, I could see a group of kids playing inside. When we knocked, a young woman with remarkable eyes, a shade of green I have never seen before, answered the door. Ma'am, they instructed us to bring this child here to you. Uh, Tina from Child Protective Services should have called you to inform you of our arrival, the officer explained. Of course, she answered. Carla called about an hour ago. The beautiful woman smiled at me and welcomed me into her home. She told me how happy she was to have me there. The officer set my belongings down by the door said their goodbyes and left. My name is Elisa. Would you like some cookies and milk? She asked. I nodded enthusiastically. I had only eaten lunch at the CPS office and it wasn't much. I was dying for a home-cooked meal, but cookies would do. On our way to the kitchen, we passed a den with mahogany paneled walls and a limestone fireplace. Everything was immaculate. In the kitchen, Elisa offered me a seat at the breakfast bar. She set a glass of milk and a plate of chocolate chip cookies in front of me, fresh from the oven. I dipped the cookies in the milk and watched their residue form a chocolate swirl at the top of the glass. Every bite melted in my mouth. It's amazing how good things taste when you're starving. When I finished, Lisa asked if I wanted more. I quickly nodded. I heard the front door crack open, followed by a heavy set of footsteps. A man entered with two young kids by his side and smiled at me. He was a petite man with soft features. When he spoke, his voice floated like a feather. He was the total opposite of Elisa. It was clear from the start she was in charge. I know there's a lot going on in your mind right now, but try not to worry, he stated. I'm Andrew, and this is Alex and Travis. We'll take good care of you. After filling my belly with more cookies and milk, Alyssa took me to my private room upstairs. Passing Travis's room, I saw race car posters on the walls. In the corner was a bed shaped like a race car. When I would daydream about having my own room, this was exactly what I imagined. It was perfect. Elisa directed me past the hall bath to the guest room where I would sleep. On top of my bed sat a pair of brand new pajamas. Elisa instructed me to put them on. I will come back and tuck you in later, she said, looking at me with a big smile. Stepping over the twin bed, I picked up the pajamas. After I put them on, I sat on the bed and planted my face into the palms of my hands. 
I was alone. Suddenly fear consumed me. Nothing was familiar. The thought of never seeing Brooke again made me sad. Anxiety paralyzed my thoughts. I was struggling to breathe. I could feel my heart pounding in my temples. Lying down, I closed my eyes and took slow, shallow breaths. Eventually, I fell asleep. When Alyssa came back to tuck me in, she sat beside me and gently rubbed my back. Everything will be okay. You're safe. We love you, Jack, she said. She then kissed my forehead and said goodnight. I woke in the morning to the smell of heaven. Feeling like I could already taste the bacon, eggs, and sausage I smelled, I rised onto my elbows. I breathed in all the wonderful scents waffling through the farmhouse. My stomach was growling. As soon as I popped out of bed, I noticed a handwritten note on a stack of clothes that Elisa left for me. Jack, these are for you. Jump in the shower, get dressed, and join us for breakfast. Love, Elisa. When I finished my shower and dressed, I followed the heavenly smells that were coming from the kitchen. When I got there, the whole family was seated around the kitchen table. I felt like I was in one of those cheesy sitcoms, only this was real life. Lisa brought me a hot plate of food filled with juicy sausage, sizzling bacon, and scrambled eggs. My fork was ready before the food even hit the table. Alyssa poured me a glass of milk and set it next to the half-eaten food. I couldn't believe these people could be so nice to someone they just met. At my mother's house, I was the only one out of bed in the morning. I had to pinch myself to make sure I wasn't dreaming. I'm sure they had never seen anyone eat like, like it was their last meal. Elisa asked if I wanted more. Remembering what Grandma taught me, I said, yes, ma'am. She laughed turned and filled my plate again. Eventually, my stomach was so full I had to unbutton my pants. After drinking the rest of my milk, I sat back in my chair and grunted in satisfaction. Wow, that was great, I murmured. Do you like Star Wars? Alex asked. Yes, I replied, wondering if there was any kid in the world who didn't. Cool, let's go check out my collection. Mr. Howard looked at us from behind his newspaper, its crackling sound filling the room. Alex froze in place, realizing he did not ask to be excused. Can we, Dad? he asked. Yes, Mr. Howard replied. I got up and followed Alex to his bedroom. Travis, two years younger than Alex, wasn't far behind. When we got to Alex's room, we flew into the galaxy, transforming into Han Solo, Darth Vader, and Chewbacca. It wasn't long before we acted out the battle scenes. Traveling through hyperspace ain't like dust and crops, farm boy, Alex said. Why, without precise calculations, we could fly right through a star and bounce too close to a supernova, and that end our trip real quick, wouldn't it? I replied as I pretended to fly the Millennium Falcon across Alex's bedroom. After playing Star Wars, Alex took me to their treehouse in the backyard. It was the greatest thing I had ever seen. They built it with cedar boards and it had a metal roof. Following Alex through the narrow front door, I froze. 
it was unbelievable. There were armchairs, bookshelves, and even a small kitchen table where he sat and ate his lunch. Alex seemed surprised I was so impressed. He told me he and his father had built it together like it was no big deal. Hearing this put a giant lump in my throat because I couldn't imagine being so lucky. My first day at Alex's school the next morning was a little peculiar. Unlike the students in my classes in Indianapolis that included students with a diverse mix of races and backgrounds, everyone at Alex's school looked the same. I didn't like it. I felt like an outsider. But hell, I had been to so many schools that by then I was a master of change. Like a chameleon, I could adapt to any situation no matter where I was. When the school bell rang, I waited for Elisa while the kids raced past us on their way to class. One by one, the doors were closed and the hallway fell silent. I could hear the Pledge of Allegiance leaking from underneath each door as we made our way to the principal's office. When we got there, a slender Scandinavian-looking man welcomed us. He had a Nordic blonde hair and blue eyes. With a huge smile, he introduced himself as Principal Becker. He gestured to some chairs in front of his mahogany desk. Elisa and I sat as instructed. I noticed the wide top of the grand desk that was almost bare, except for a metal inbox that held a few papers, a blotter that protected the beautiful wood, and a single folder. My name was on that tab of that folder. It held my school records from every school I had attended before. Picking up the folder, Principal Becker read, his eyes growing wider and wider as he studied its contents. Twelve schools in two years? I slid down into my seat, wishing I were invisible. I had no idea what the official count was, but I knew twelve was a lot. I think your placement at the Howards will be a great thing for you, Jack, he said. I know you've been through a lot. If you have any problems, I want you to feel comfortable to come to me, no matter what, okay? I nodded in agreement. We better get you to class, Jack, Principal Becker started. Miss Howard, thanks for coming in and bringing Jack to us. I think he'll get along great here. In fact, he will be in Alex's class. Isn't that wonderful, Elisa remarked. I nodded again, feeling my tongue had sort of stopped working. Looking up at Elisa, I couldn't help but grin from ear to ear. Things were off to a great start. Living with the Howards was like a dream come true. But like all dreams, you eventually wake up and find that the dream is over. After being at the Howard for a couple months, I noticed a change in Alex. He was a matter of description, a blonde-headed, small-sized, bony fourth grader. His definitive characteristic was, however, his ability to manipulate. I realized right away that he was dangerous. Alex wanted attention stealing pencils, making up lies, and sabotaging others, namely me, were his bag of tricks. 
Some kids called him Sticky Fingers because of his constant inability to stop himself from stealing. When he wasn't wreaking havoc, he was roaming the halls, scheming ways to draw attention to himself. Alex was obedient around his father, but wild everywhere else. At school, he got in trouble for shooting spitballs in the cafeteria. No one bothered to tell his parents. Instead, the lunch lady made him sit at the reflection table. It became obvious there was much more to Alex than I initially thought. He was a kleptomaniac. However, he wasn't great at it. Every time something came up missing at school, Alex's name was the first one on everyone's lips. When confronted, he denied everything. He made up tall tales trying to get himself out of trouble. Stories only an idiot would take seriously. I, don't, I didn't think much of Alex's bad behavior at first. I had seen much worse things than spitballs and missing pencils in my life. But that all changed one Saturday morning after Mr. Howard left the house to go golfing. Elisa had planned to take us to see a movie. So we all jumped in her minivan and headed to get lunch before the movie started. Alex and Travis were wrestling around in the back, which was driving Elisa crazy. In fact, Alex and Travis had a way of driving her crazy all the time. When Mr. Howard wasn't around to keep the order, they were the worst kids anyone could imagine. Looking back through the rearview mirror, Elisa saw them fighting. Boys, stop it, she shouted. Stop it! They acted as if they couldn't hear her and continued to fight. When the brawl was over, Alex had a bad idea. He wrote, help, on a sheet of paper, then stuck it in the back window of the minivan. Within five minutes, I heard sirens, then saw flashing lights. A police officer pulled us over and approached our vehicle. He wasn't happy. He instructed Elisa to get out of the van. Then he looked back at us. Fright was written across our faces. But why wouldn't we be afraid? He was a policeman. After the incident with my cat Tom and being taken away from my mother and grandpa Bob, I knew what could happen. Alex realized his prank had gone too far. Alex and Travis had no idea what could happen. I sat quietly in fear. My knees clenched together. When the police officer ran a background check on Elisa, it showed that she had two kids named Alex and Travis. However, the officer saw three kids, which must have set off a huge red flag, giving what has happened with the sign. I'd been through this before with my mother. I was sure he was interrogating Elisa about my identity. The policeman held us for over an hour before he confirmed Elisa's story. Then the officer ordered us out of the car, and the questioning began. Who put the sign in the window? The officer said. We were speechless, motionless. Then Alex stopped and stepped forward. Thank God, I thought. Looking at the officer with sad eyes, Alex said, Jack did it. I let out a swoosh of air, my mouth hanging open. What? No, I didn't. You did, I shouted. I couldn't believe what 
he would betray me like this. Although I don't know why I was surprised. He certainly was, wasn't the first person in my life to betray me. Travis was jealous of my relationship with his brother, so he validated Alex's story. I knew it was over for me. Neither the officer nor Alyssa would believe anything I had to say at this point, given my background and the fact that I was a foster child, an outsider. After all, I was from a broken home and was in Alyssa's custody because I had gotten in trouble with the law. I fit the profile of someone who would cause trouble. Now I had to bear the burden of a crime I did not commit. After the police officer scolded me for about 20 minutes, he let us go. Elisa was so upset, we went straight home. Going to the movie was now out of the question. By the time we got home, Mr. Howard was back from golfing. Elisa told him about the whole incident and was visibly shaken as she recounted what had happened. Why would you do such a horrible thing? Mr. Howard asked. I didn't make the sign, Alex did, and he's trying to blame me, I pleaded. Jack, they may have never taught you about the consequences of lying, but that's all going to change right now, Mr. Howard started. I will ask you again, did you put the sign in the window? I'm telling you the truth, Alex did it, I replied. Anger blazed out of the blue in Mr. Howard's eyes. I felt like I would throw up and anxiety came up as bile in the back of my throat. As much as I tried, I couldn't come up with a way to convince him I didn't do it. Go to your room, he shouted. Walking up the steps, reluctantly, I glanced back at Mr. Howard, who was smiling at Alex. That piece of shit, I thought. Shrugging, Alex looked up at his father as if he was the victim. The next morning, Mr. Howard came to my room with a stack of pancakes. I think he was feeling guilty about not letting me have dinner the night before. Sitting next to me on the bed, he asked if I was ready to tell the truth. I didn't know what to say. I was so confused. Were they even considering that maybe Alex was lying? In my head, I could hear Grandpa Bob quoting his sobriety coin, to, thy own, to thine own self be true. I pleaded with Mr. Howard once again. I'm telling you the truth, I swear. With a furrowed brow, he explained that he would have to do something he didn't like, that it was for my own good. Then, like a Pentecostal minister, he threw up his hands Spare the rod and spoil the child, says the Lord, he shouted. Grabbing the wooden chair from under the desk, he placed it in the center of the room. He then sat down, making the old wood in the chair crack under his weight. He commanded me to come over to him. I knew where this was going. Mr. Howard ordered me to take down my pants and bend over his lap. Remembering what Grandpa Bob used to do, I panicked. I could feel my lungs collapsing. My chest felt crushed like a gorilla was sitting on me. Grabbing my arm, Mr. Howard again told me to take down my pants. When I didn't respond, he shook me. 
With my hands shaking, I undid my belt and unzipped my pants. I pulled them down to my ankles. Yanking me onto his lap, he spanked me with an open hand. Thou shalt not lie! Thou shalt not lie! He repeated as he spanked me. Then the strangest thing happened. I was expecting the belt, like all the other times. This was nothing. This was a joke. It was almost comical. Spanking me a few more times for effect, he stopped. Standing up, he slid the chair back under the desk. I stood tall in the middle of the room with a look, I'm sure, said, You can't hurt me, asshole. Disheveled, Mr. Howard combed his messy hair with his slender fingers. I hope by dinner you change your attitude and tell the truth, he said as he left the room. I was once again alone like a prisoner in solitary confinement. Curling myself into a ball, I longed to be back in Broderpool, walking along the railroad tracks. After a long nap, I woke to a growling stomach that smelled Elisa's cooking. I was starving. If I wanted to eat, I would have to admit something I didn't do. Walking down the back staircase that led to the kitchen, I saw everyone sitting at the table. Before I sat down, Mr. Howard confronted me. What do you have to say for yourself, Jack? Feeling defeated, I looked slowly around the room at my accusers. They were waiting for me to tell them what they wanted to hear. I'm sure Alex was wondering how far I would push it before I gave in. I quickly weighed all of my options. I could stand my ground and fight this all the way, knowing full well I was right. But what good would that do? It would only make my time with the Howards harder. So I sucked it up and made my life easier by confessing to something I knew was a lie. I made the sign and put it in the window, I said. Every fiber in my body wanted to reach across the table and choke the life out of Alex. Elisa smiled as Mr. Howard's face went soft with relief. In unison, they said, We forgive you, Jack. I looked at Alex. The smirk he wore made me want to scratch his eyes out. Taking a seat at the table next to Elisa, I ate. I imagined Alex dancing and celebrating a win of wills. All I could think was, I may have lost the battle, but I will not lose the war. I would not forget Alex's betrayal. During my remaining time at the Howards, I tried to stay far away from Alex as possible. When he would enter a room, I would quickly exit. I had to stay on my toes to keep out of trouble. I did well until one day weeks later when I let my guard down. Some friends from school came over to play at the Howard's Treehouse. The first thing Alex suggested was a game of spin the bottle. None of the other kids knew what it was, so Alex explained the rules. The bottle gets spun, and whoever the top of the bottle lands on has to either say truth or dare. I knew this was a bad idea, but it sounded like fun. Plus, I had a huge crush on one of the girls that came over. Alex spun the bottle with force. It landed on Lisa, the girl both Alex and I were gaga over. Truth or dare, Alex said. Dare, Lisa replied after hesitating. 
Alex thought for a moment. Then he giggled out the words, I dare you to kiss Jack. No way, Lisa said. You have to, Alex replied. That's how the game is played. Lisa leaned into me, looked into my eyes, and gently kissed my lips. I had never kissed a girl before. Her lips were so soft. As Elisa, or as Lisa pulled away, we gazed at each other. Suddenly, I thought about Brooke. My stomach filled with guilt. When Alex saw what was going on, he became jealous. Wasting no time, he spun the bottle again. This time it landed on me. Truth or dare, Alex asked. Uh, dare. I would not give Alex the opportunity to embarrass me in front of Lisa with one of his made-up stories that made me look like an idiot. Okay, Alex thought for a second and then continued. I dare you to say the F word. What? You have to say the F word, Alex repeated. I refused. That's the game, Jack. Say it, Alex insisted. I looked at Lisa for her approval. She smiled back and shrugged her shoulders. Fuck, I blurted out as quickly as possible. As fast as I could grab the bottle, I spun it. We all watched it spin, the glass clinking against the wood table. Please let it land on Alex, I thought. Someone answered my prayers. I could now confront Alex about the incident with the sign if he said truth. And if he said dare, I could really mess with him since he wanted to impress Lisa. Either way, this would be fun. Truth or dare, Alex, I asked. Dare, Alex answered. I had the perfect dare. I dare you to take off your clothes and run around the house. Lisa laughed at the thought of Alex running around naked. With laser eyes fixed on me, Alex cocked his head to the side. Without hesitation, he took off his clothes and ran around the treehouse like a wiry little chicken with curly blonde hair. Lisa and I couldn't stop laughing. Lisa didn't find it funny at all when she saw her oldest son running around the treehouse with no clothes on. Like a bolt of lightning, she ran out of the kitchen. She chased Alex around the yard. He ignored her because he was on a mission to impress, impress Lisa. When Mr. Howard saw what was going on, he ran across the yard and finally caught up to Alex and grabbed him by his scrawny arm. Get in the house! He then pointed at me. Jack, you too! Seeing the seriousness on Mr. Howard's demeanor, I rushed toward the old farmhouse. I stepped carefully around Lisa, who stood with her arms crossed, then up the back porch and into the kitchen. Mr. Howard ordered both Alex and me to sit down on the living room couch. He looked at us in silence for a moment that felt like an eternity. What was that all about? he asked. I sat patiently waiting to hear how Alex would try to get out of this one. But when he began, there was no stopping the outpouring of lies that was so natural to him. Sometimes I wondered if he even knew the difference between the truth and a lie. Dad, Jack told us about this game we were playing. It's called Truth or Dare. 
and he dared me to run around the house with no clothes on. Once again, the blatant lie defumbled me. How did I let this happen again? How could I have been so naive? Mr. Howard, I protested, this is not what happened. I don't want to hear it. I gave you both the chance to speak, and Alex was the one that came clean. Go ahead, son. Well, we were playing this game, and the bottle landed on Lisa. Jack dared her to kiss me, so she did. Then the bottle landed on me, and he dared me to run around the house with no clothes on. I didn't want to, Dad. The only reason I did was because Jack said he would tell you about Lisa kissing me. With a clenched jaw, Mr. Howard looked at me. What goes through your head, Jack? Why in the world would you bring this stuff into my house? Alex cut in. And there's something else, Dad. There's more? Yeah. Jack said the F word. My chest immediately deflated, leaving me breathless. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, but I knew this would be the last straw. No one would listen to my side of the story. I was done. Mr. Howard stomped out of the room. He was so upset he couldn't speak or even look at me. Elisa was sitting at the dining room table and had overheard everything. You're poison. You brought your sickness into our home, and now you have infected my boys. I want you out of here, she cried. I heard her pick up the phone and dial a series of numbers. Never again, never ever again, she murmured. No more, I can't do this anymore. Mr. Howard rushed back into the room with my toothbrush. He was rubbing soap all over its bristles. You want to cuss in my house? You want to bring cuss words into my home? I'll show you what we do to kids who cuss in my home. I thought my mother was nuts, but these people were fucking crazy. Mr. Howard handed me, handed me the toothbrush. Brush your teeth with it. Brush out your dirty mouth. I looked at the brush, then up at Mr. Howard. You heard me. Brush out your mouth, he continued. Putting the toothbrush in my mouth, I brushed. It tasted awful. I kept brushing, though. I would not give him the satisfaction of breaking me. When Elisa got off the phone, she lectured me. I will pray for you, Jack. I will. You're a troubled little boy. I'm afraid I can't have you in my home anymore. I simply can't do it, she started. Alex, go outside and play. I have to deal with this situation. Alex quickly left the room, not bothering to look back. Letting out a sigh of relief, Elisa explained that she had called Child Protective Services to come and get me. She then walked out of the room without saying another word. I never saw or heard from her after that day.